I love thrift stores, and for that matter, rummage sales. And you want to know why? I'm going to tell you why. Thanks so much for asking. It's going to sound a little forest gumpy, but hey, you asked for it, so it's your own fault. The reason is you never know what you're going to get. There are treasures out there, hearts desires you didn't even know you had, just waiting to be discovered, cherished. And of course, bragged on for the amazing deal you got. And what does all that have anything to do with today's podcast? Oh, just you wait. Because we've got one of them there, heart's desires, you didn't even know you had. Seriously. Stick around. There are treasures here to be found. radio show out there that builds itself as the show about everything. <clears throat> Eric from Texas. And while I like to think of myself as the female counterpart of a poor man's version of that show, we're not big enough yet to tackle everything. But I am game for just about anything. And today is no exception. I have on the line right here, right now, the author of a delightful book about none other than, oh, just you wait, Dolly Parton. Oh, yes. His name is Dudley Delfs. And before we dive into Dolly, I want you to hear a little bit about him. Now, Dudley Delfs is an award-winning writer of fiction and nonfiction. He's a publishing executive with Random House um, and HarperCollins. Um, formerly, he did those things. Those are in his resume. He now works with top-tier authors and agents and publishers, producing best-selling books. But wait, he is also the author of three novels, two books on the Christian life, and numerous study guides, articles, poetry, and short stories. So the guy knows how to write, is what I'm trying to say. On that note, while well, we want to give you a very warm welcome to the Isle of Misfits, Dudley Delves. Nancy, thank you so much. I'm delighted to be here and just excited to have this conversation and talk a little bit about Dolly Parton and whatever else we get into. Oh, yes. Yes, because I said we can talk about anything, and we certainly can, and maybe we will, but because in the end, really, it all relates back to our core principles here on the Isle of Misfits, which I can recite by by Rhodes. Uh, we like to own our awkward here. We, uh, we talk about loving our fellow misfits and seeking beauty and truth wherever it can be found. So I think just about everything we could talk about today will fall into one, if not all of those categories. So I don't have a lot of rules. Excellent. Yeah. So, so I'm not a rule girl, but I do have one. And that is when the mood strikes, I like to play a stupid game with my guests. <laughs> that is if awesome. you, if you are up for it. I am. I'm game for your game. That sounds like a lot of fun. Okay. All right. This will be short but sweet. And I have a feeling you're going to do very well because I, I, I thoroughly resourced, researched this game on the internet. My source, I, I, can, I can cite it for you if necessary, but I have a feeling you're going to know the answer. This is a true false. So this, this stupid game is called Fun or False Facts about Dolly. So your job is to tell me whether this fact is true or false. Okay. All right. Very good. Okay. And it can be fun and false at the same time. That's where it's tricky. <laughs> or, okay. So. True. Okay. See, you already got it right. True. All right. First one you got right. <laughs> See, I wondered if you catch that. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. See, you, you've already aced it. Okay. Are you ready? So the first question, fun or false fact, Dolly Parton's parents paid for her birth with a sack of oatmeal. 
Is that true or false? Is it fun or false or both? If I'm not mistaken, Nancy, it was actually a bag of cornmeal. <gasps> so it is true. They you... had no money. The doctor came by their house and they gave them a, a sack of cornmeal to pay for birthing sweet Dolly. You are good. And yes, you know what? You, you even beat the system because this, like I said, I cited this and they said oatmeal. But when I read your book... You said cornmeal, and I believe you, because I believe you, <laughs> yes, I believe your research. So, yes, you already are, yeah, you've, you've mastered my stupid game. All right, number two. This I didn't read, but maybe I didn't get to the whole book, so uh, maybe this comes up in later chapters. Okay, Dolly Parton once won a Dolly lookalike drag queen contest. False. She entered one, Nancy, but she didn't win it. <laughs> I can't beat you. You're right. I thought that was great. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I love the fact that she'd be willing to enter one herself, and then the fact that she didn't win it, and that she loves telling that story. I, I, I just think that's a hoot. That's awesome. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think she said, you know, that she 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 didn't do herself up as much as some of, you know, her uh, challengers did. So, yeah, so yeah. nobody really yeah. believed it. So, Yes, good times for Dolly. She's she's a good sport. I want to know what the prize was, actually. And I also want to know what <laughs> happened when they found out. Like, did they know that it was really her, or did she slip out, like, un, right, unannounced? Right, right. I mean, I, I would love to, to know more about that. That would be great fun to see, too. Well, ho hopefully one day we will find out. So, okay, number three. I bet you know this. I know you know this, but I'm going to do it anyway. True or false? She wrote Jolene about a bank teller. Well, there's a lot of contention about the inspiration for Jolene, Nancy. So I have heard that version, okay. and so I'm tempted to say true, although Dolly herself has said that she wrote it in response to a, a young girl who was a fan that she met at one of her concerts. So I'm not sure we actually know the truth behind mm. the inspiration, but the bank teller version is one I've heard. Okay. Well, you know your stuff, so I'm not going to challenge you, but <laughs> I, I will I will do a little conjecture with you. I wonder, because she's pretty, she's pretty clever, she's pretty smart, and she's done a lot of media. I wonder if she sometimes just for fun changes the story just to keep us guessing. Oh, I, I absolutely would not be a bit surprised. And, uh, yes, I think that, that very well might be the case. And, and, you know, for all I know, she may have just written a great song with a great, a great story in Jolene, and she wasn't sure where it came from. Maybe it came from all kinds of different places, like, you know, creative works do. But, uh, yeah, it's yeah. Fun, fun, fun topic to think through. Exactly, yeah, because the source, you know, my, my really uh, thorough research here, my web search, um, I, it said that she said on an NPR interview that, uh, they used to go to the bank, and the teller would flirt with her husband, and they would joke about, you know, the girl, and that's, and her name was Jolene, so who knows? Who knows? So, yeah, she could be a composite of all of the bank tellers and Jolene's out there in the world. So, all right, one more question. Of, of course you're going to know this, but I'm going to ask it anyway. True or false, she visited Porter Wagner the day he died? True, which I think is just, amazing and honestly you know I, I, if that's not evidence of what a forgiving heart Dolly has I'm not sure what is I mean you know they had that famous partnership Nancy and then after seven years of kind of this professional partnership Dolly decided to go out on her own 
and Porter did not like it, and it was very contentious. And he eventually even sued her and kind of, you know, uh, heaped more fuel on the fire. They finally resolved that, and uh, a few years later, you know, kind of publicly made up and would perform together again. But as the years passed, their friendship endured, and they forgave each other, as Dolly tells it, because they both, you know, had a part in it. But when he was ill and passing away, he was surrounded by his family and Dolly. And that, as you said, that speaks so much to her character. And, you know, and not, and probably if she was here talking with us right now, she would probably deflect it and, and not make it about herself, but about her love for this man, because there That's was love right. between them. Oh, absolutely. And, that, and you're so right. That's exactly what she would do, Nancy. And, and that in itself amazes me. I mean, you know, I, I'm... You know, I'm not as kind-hearted, uh, I'm sad to say, sometimes, and I hold grudges, and I'm, you know, thinking, oh, yeah, I forgave them, but you know what they did to me, you know, right. on and on and on, and wanting to make it about about me and, and all that, but Dolly doesn't do that. She's really gracious, she really takes the high road, and she is a very gentle, caring, compassionate person. Yes, and so much about her life that you bring out in this book is, is, is our lessons or just qualities that, that we can really learn from. And, you know, you can say that about hopefully just about anyone, and yet this book, being about Dolly Parton, is just full of stories and, and just little glimpses and snapshots of a, a, a person, a real person, not a perfect person, but someone who really is led by her own convictions and and by the notion that life is is bigger than herself and so i'm gonna i'm gonna pull back i'm gonna dial back here because you know it's obvious you're you're a fan so let's talk let's start there so you're a fan of dolly parton but why why did you want to write a book about her well you know i had always admired her nancy and sort of grew up with her you know, I was a little boy growing up in a small town in Tennessee, and so I would watch Dolly on the Porter Wagner show with my mom and daddy. And as a, a young man going off to college, I'd get homesick, and so I'd play some of Dolly's music to feel better. Um, and I actually decided to propose to my wife in front of the bronze statue of Dolly that's in Sevierville. And then once we had kids, we took them to Dollywood numerous times, and because I'm such a book geek, I've always loved Dolly's nonprofit Imagination Library, mm. providing free books to kids and promoting literacy. So, you know, I started out just really admiring her music and her talent, but over the years, I've just come to appreciate her faith more and more. So... What I'm hearing, really, and it's very obvious from, from reading her story, which also intersperses a lot of your own story. So this, this book is part biography about Dolly Parton, but in many ways it's, it's got a lot of autobiography. And even as you just shared your story, so it makes sense to me, her love language is music, your love language is reading books, literature, writing. So it, it yeah. makes sense for you to pay tribute to her in your love language. Yes. No, absolutely. And I did not set out to really share as much about my own life as I ended up putting into the book. But 
as I was conducting my research and you know reviewing performances online and listening to her songs and and you know kind of approaching it as a journalist as a writer I began to have so many memories and thoughts and reflections about my own life that I began writing them down and then as I began putting the book together I realized I really could not exclude those in order to kind of get my my point across or to convey the message I wanted to to make and and that seemed only fitting, Nancy. It's like Dolly puts her heart into everything that she does, so it's really impossible for me to write about her and her impact on my life without totally put, pouring my heart into it. Well, yes, because there are parallels there. It isn't just you sharing your story for the sh- sake of sharing your story. You're sharing parallels to sections of, of her story and snapshots of her life that that parallel your own and and I love that you do that and along with that there's there's a challenge you know you share where you were challenged in certain ways but there's a challenge for us and at the end of every chapter is a a wonderful section you know and other books do this but you take it you take it one step further Um, you have questions to reflect but you also invite us into this multimedia experience to um, listen to her songs and and reflect in light of the lyrics of, of those songs. So um, talk a little bit about that. Well, I didn't want to, you know, be preachy. I mean, that's Dolly's not, and so I didn't want to be, but I definitely wanted to invite readers to, you know, make the material of their own and to think through their lives the way I felt compelled to do when I was reading and writing about Dolly. So I came up with this little section, A Divine Dose of Dolly, that I put at the end of each chapter. Love it. Very alliterative. Love it. I got points for alliteration, and, you know, I would include perhaps a Bible verse or a bit of scripture, but usually it was focused on a particular Dolly song that thematically seemed to tie to that chapter and its faith lesson, but then also, as you said, a couple of questions to just encourage people to think about how it applied to their own lives, and again, nothing preachy, they can make it as deep as they want to, but again, make it more experiential bring in that multimedia piece and uh, make it their own in a way that perhaps typically we don't just as fans. Yes. And for me personally, music is uh, maybe, maybe my primary love language. So to, so to be able not just to think about lyrics, but to, you know, within the context of the, the melody and the arrangement and all that, you know, that the beauty of it all coming together, there, there really is something powerful about that to, um, yeah. You know, it's it's even beyond emotion. It certainly uses our emotion, but but it gets us to reflect about our lives in, in ways that we can't just do by oh, let me just let me just answer this question. You know, it's it, it draws in right. memory. It draws in you know all all kinds of things. Yes, no, there's something almost um, I don't know so plaintive and haunting about Dolly's voice sometimes, and and you know she'll she'll be singing and telling a story and. You know, I, I almost have a visceral reaction. It just touches, it does, it touches our soul. And, um, you know, that really does just reinforce some of these lessons and move us and inspire us in ways that um, that words and simply talking about it cannot. Oh, yes. Yeah. And speaking, you know, speaking of memories, there was one lyric that I just grabbed. I actually wrote, wrote it down and loved it. Um, and it was a song I'd never heard before. Um, it was about the... Uh, reflecting on her her life you know the the yeah. in the good old days when times were bad no amount of yeah. money yeah this this is great no amount of money could buy for me the memories that i have of then no amount of money could pay me to go back and live them again 
that yes. that right there i mean that just sums it all up to you know to it's not sugarcoat really yeah she's so good at being comfortable with paradox and things that may seem contradictory and just not having to have it one way or the other but just owning that and finding that balance um I mean, even, you know, even in her appearance, it's so about artifice with the wigs and the makeup and the, the glamour and the glitter, but she's so down to earth and plain spoken and just open hearted. It's just a real, you know, curious contrast there. And, and that often comes through in her songwriting and in her art, because our emotions are often that complex and that contradictory. And she's not afraid to explore that and to express it. And I think the example you just gave is, is, is perfect. Yes, and I, you know, I love, like, she makes no pretense about even the pretense. Like you said, the wigs and the, you know, the the right. the, the sensational personality that's over the top. Um, somehow, somehow it's still real, e- even in the face of it being artificial. It's like, no, this is, this is real. I, I acknowledge, yeah, this is, this is not real, but this is, this is just what I want to do. So, and I love yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. I love She's so it. open and honest about it. You know, her, her joke about it takes a lot of money to look this cheap. I mean, (laughs) again, the paradox and the, you know, the contradiction that she just uh, owns and is very self-aware about and shares that with her readers, her listeners, her fans. And I think that really creates a bond and helps us trust her in a way that uh, is unique. Yes, and I love the other joke about, well, I don't mind being called a dumb blonde because I know I'm not dumb and I'm not really blonde. So, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Perfect. No, exactly. She's so smart, and she, you know, she is very quick on her feet. I mean, she does, I'm sure, recycle some of these one-liners and quips, but uh, it was clear as I read through, you know, hundreds of interviews. I mean, she could come up with something on the spot when she had to. Right, and I think that's a lot of people don't realize that, even though, like, she's such a prolific songwriter, and, and but, you know, she's so down-home, homespun, that, you know, you... you you can almost forget, as you said, how clever and how quick on her feet she is and how prolific, you know, you don't realize until you start to hear the dozens and dozens and dozens of songs. Oh, that was her? That was her? You know, she yeah. she's just been this presence that has kind of been just permeated in our atmosphere that we don't think about until we're like, oh, yeah, she did that. Yes, right. And she, you know, she said, Dolly has said that she began writing songs probably before she could read and write, that they just came naturally, little melodies, little words, and, you know, it's just something that she does creatively and naturally, and it's part of her. And she now has well over 3,000 songs copyrighted and continues to write most every day, it sounds like. Um, It's just something that, you know, as a creative person, as an artist, she's compelled to do. And uh, I, I just find that very inspiring and very encouraging. Uh, even though I'm in a different uh, medium, it uh, it sets a great example and helps me to, to, you know, just do what I feel like I'm made to do. Yes, and let's, let's camp out there for a second and talk about that because I think as I'm reading through this, this is one of the things I spoke to you just moments before we hit the record button about the timeliness of this book in my own life. And I don't think I'm unique. I think uh, a lot of other people are, are like me in this, that, uh, you know, we need this, we need to be challenged in that area of being faithful with yeah. what we have rather than saying, ah, oh, I'm only this, or it's too late, or blah, blah, blah. 
So um, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna feed you another quote from the book. Um, she knew she wasn't the prettiest or most talented, and certainly not the richest or best connected, but she knew she had been given something special by God, something she felt compelled to share with others, the gift of her music. Yeah. I think there's something really important there. I love the fact that she was so, you know, passionate, compelled, just she couldn't not make music. You know, she began singing, performing in her granddaddy's church. Uh, her granddaddy, the Reverend Jake Owens, was a, a preacher in this little mountain church there where her family attended and so you know being the little songbird she naturally performed and then she learned to play guitar and added that and you know just came naturally loved loved engaging with people loved knowing that she could touch their hearts that she could encourage them make them feel better make them feel whatever she's expressing in a given song as she shares a story or makes an observation so her willingness to know that that's what she was made to do at such an early age and her commitment to just work as hard as it took and not to give up when I think I very well, you know, have been discouraged for much less. But, you know, uh, as a young teenager driving back and forth from East Tennessee to Nashville with her uncle Bill Owens, who was older and kind of a, a mentor and uh, one was a country music star in his own right, um, but just knocking on doors and handing out demos and dealing with rejection that any creative person faces when they're trying to make a living at their art. But she wouldn't give up, and she was just convinced that this was what she wanted to do and who she was. And even when she would attain, you know, one level of success or fulfill one dream, she had, you know, 20 more to replace it. She just always kept growing and growing and, and you know nothing's impossible um, you know uh, with 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 human beings we see limitations but with God all things are possible she quotes that scripture frequently and claims it because she really does feel like it has been a core part of who she is and what she's done her entire life yes and I think for me as I as I listen to you say it and as I read it um, several times you know you use the word compelled several times, even even in the last few yeah. minutes, you know, she felt compelled. The focus, interestingly, even though it was her, you know, the gift, it was her, she was the one doing it, she was tenacious, she was committed. The focus was, as you said, with God, all things are possible. And somehow she knew this and she, well, she knows this, she's still with us. Right. Um, you know, and, and I think that's a very important distinction because I think often we can fall into this trap that we've got to we've got to create our own destiny and and while yes commitment yeah. tenacity has so much to do with it knowing that it's not it's not really up to us right right you know one of the things i i learned from dolly um in my own life as a writer as a creative person probably about 10 years ago around the time i turned 40 nancy you know i I wasn't having a midnight. I was not having a midlife crisis necessarily, but I, I was having. I was feeling like I needed to let go of some dreams. You know, maybe mm -hmm. I was never going to have that bestseller or win any literary awards, or Pulitzer, or, or whatever. And so, what what do I do with that? You know, I feel like I'm created to be a writer. It's what gives me joy. It's how I want to uh, give back and connect with people. But 
am I willing to do that knowing I may never be famous or make a lot of money mm. from it? And that mm. was that was kind of hard and painful because naturally, yeah, of course I want to be successful. Don't we all? But coming to the realization that that is such a part of me, being a writer, words, my love of, of language, my love of stories, that's such an intrinsic part of who I am that I'm always going to do it, no matter whether someone pays me or ever finds out. And I think that's a very Dolly kind of lesson because she said frequently, you know, if I, if I hadn't have made it big early on, you know, if I were, um, you know, a doctor, lawyer, real estate agent, stay-at-home mom, whatever I ended up being, I, I would still be making music and sharing it. So I think that's just a really great way to view our gifts and to give them wherever we are and not be waiting conditionally on something big to happen before we're willing to, to open our, our hearts and give all that we can. Oh, yeah. Yeah. In fact, I, I wrote these very words down um, before you said it. and you So it's great. You just confirmed it. You know, this idea that we have to be big, that I can't, I can't do what, what's inside of me. Seri- I can't take it seriously unless or until I have this guarantee that I'm going to hit it big. And, and I don't know, maybe, maybe our social media culture has perpetuated that because now everybody has to have a platform and, you know, our 15 minutes of fame. And if I'm not going to get my 15 minutes, well, I'm not going to waste my time. Well, that is right. so counter to what you're talking about. Right. Absolutely. And I think it's important to discover that part of you. You know, what what are those creative gifts? What is that purpose that's, you know, in your DNA that you're compelled, we'll use that word again, that you're just, you know, really I have to share it. Um, I think about the, the poet Rilke and uh, letters to a young poet where this young man had written him and said, you know, I think I want to be a writer, I want to be a poet. You know, what advice do you have? And, and Rilke's advice was, well, do everything you can not to be a writer because it's hard and mm. painful and frustrating. And So do everything you can not to be a writer, but if you're still just can't help yourself and you end up writing, well, then just accept it and know that that's your gift and share it and let go of the expectations or the conditions and just give freely of who you are and what you have to say. Yeah, and okay, so... Along with that, I'm, I'm juxtaposing that against, uh, there's, a, there's a song that just came out. It's not a Dolly Parton song, I'm sorry, but it fits right in with this, and it's being played on Christian radio right now, and it's called Dream Small. You know, and, and it's the idea, you know, it says don't bother like you've got to do it all. And it's, the, the idea is that it's, it's not, our life isn't all about that it has to be this huge thing. But I will juxtapose my thoughts from this conversation into this that, you know, it's not, I, it's not a pendulum where it's either it has to all be big or it has to all be small. It's really just about being faithful with what we have. That's right. Yes. I, I so agree, Nancy. I mean, that was exactly the word I was thinking of as you were talking just then before you said the word faithful. Because, you know, what does it mean to just show up and, you know, I don't know how things are going to turn out, but I'm going to give you my all. I'm going to see where this goes. Um, you know, again, honestly... I had this kind of strange memoir aspect to this book that's supposed to be all about Dolly. And I can remember sharing early on a couple of chapters with my publisher and, you know, apologetically said, well, this is kind of strange. I don't know what you think of it. And he loved it. He was so encouraging. And he said, this is 
great because it gives me permission to do the same, and hopefully readers will feel that same permission. And, you know, part of me just kind of wanted to go, I don't know what this is, so therefore it's not going to do well or it's not, you know, right. But part of me also said, just be faithful. Just keep going this direction and see what happens. And that is indeed how the book ended up coming out the way it did. Well, I'm so glad that it did because it really, you know, I know you didn't write it just for me, but, you know, thanks anyway. Um, but it, I, I know there are many more like me who will be greatly encouraged uh, by the message of this book, by the, uh, by the stories, by learning more about Dolly Parton, because I've learned a lot about her that I didn't know. I already liked her. Um, and now I'm knowing why I like this, this, this woman, this artist so much. You have these prayers too at the end, and I don't want to steal all your thunder, but I'll steal just a little. There's one line at the end of one of your prayers that I loved. It said, help me stay true to the person you created me to be. And again, so powerful because there's so much now in our culture about identity and self and self to the point where we're so self-absorbed that, you know, we've kind of created bubbles around ourselves where we're trapped. Um, right. But... Being the person that God created me to be, that's not a bubble. That's freedom. Oh, amen. Well said. That, that's, that's so well said, Nancy, because that freedom, I mean, that's, you know, I mean, that's happiness. That's joy. That's feeling uh, purposeful and having meaning. You know, I mean, that's, you know, that's, I think, the, the secret right there. So, um, yeah, I love that. Right. And, and, you know, to circle it back to... Just the, the the life of this this woman that that you're illuminating through all these great stories, it's it summed up. In fact, it was the first thing that grabbed me as I was starting to read it. The the phrase joyful generosity, you know, she this is how she lives her life. She you know freely we've been given, right? So freely we give, and the more we're given, yeah. the the more opportunity we have to share that. Oh, absolutely, Nancy. I mean. That's, that's something I loved about Dolly's life and looking at it kind of, you know, over, over decades. When she was a little girl, she kind of landed this gig to sing regularly on a local radio program, uh, the Kaz Walker Show. And so I think she was making like several dollars a week, which was big money at the time. And she saved up and bought her family a television set. And, you know, she was excited to buy some cosmetics and candy and things that, you know, um, a girl just about entering adolescence would buy. But, but she gave money to her parents. She bought a TV. Um, when she first made it sort of big with Porter, she went back to her hometown of Sevierville, and she recorded a live album, and it ended up inaugurating the annual Dolly Days and uh, created a scholarship for music students at her old high school. So... Long before she ever just really became a megastar, she's always had a generous nature. She's always wanted to give back. And I just think that is part of her success, that she hasn't tried to create an identity around her money or her ego or her talent, but instead just wants to, to give and give. And I think that's a good lesson for all of us. Yeah, and you, you had mentioned something earlier. This goes right along with that, the um, the Imagination Library. I'm not sure that a lot of people know about that. So, yeah, so tell us a little more about that. Oh, Nancy, I, I love the Imagination Library. And in my book, I even, you know, I kind of get bold and I say, you know, Dolly may not be remembered for her music and her voice as much as she's remembered for creating the Imagination Library which is a nonprofit that she started over 25 years ago in honor of her father. And Dolly says that she knows 
her, her daddy was such an intelligent man, but because he could not read and write, she saw him suffer and be limited at opportunities that would pass him by. So she began doing a little research, and she discovered that so many children, when they start school, if they haven't already been read to and sort of begun the process of learning to read, they end up struggling and getting behind, and you know it kind of creates a cyclical problem that feeds in on itself. So her solution was, well, what if we give free books, one per month, age-appropriate books, to kids from the time they're born until the time they start school at age six, in hopes that having those books at home, they'd be read to by moms and dads and grandparents and caregivers and guardians and everyone who loves children, and that that would rub off. And it's been wildly successful. She started it initially in East Tennessee, and it spread to the whole state, it's spread to the whole country, and it's now spreading internationally to English-speaking countries around the world, the UK, Canada, Australia, and she just recently gave away their 100th millionth book to a child. So I just, I know how important books were to me as a child. So that just thrills me to know that she's having an incredible impact in so many ways. Oh, yeah. And, you know, as amazing as it is, something that that really resonates with and I love about this is there's no pretension in it whatsoever. And often, sometimes in the, you know, the literacy movement, there's there's just a little air of pretension or, or you know, and it's well-meaning, yeah. but but there's, no, there's none of that. It's just, no, this is, hey, there's smart people out there and we want to just give them a chance to, you know, to enjoy the world of literature. Oh, absolutely. And, and you know, again, Dolly knows firsthand. She saw the impact that, it had on her on her father and on their family, you know, for him not to be able to read and write. And she talks about learning to read as a little girl and just being voracious, you know, the, mostly the Bible because that was the only book they had. But she said occasionally people would, uh, you know, drop off magazines or, or, you know, things that they weren't using. She says that they would often use newspaper to fill in the, the cracks in their little cabin, but the kids would want to read the, the comics, the funnies first. Right. And, uh she just couldn't get enough to read. And so she's always appreciated just the power that education has to change someone's life. Yeah. And here she is just doing something about it, not making a lot of fanfare, but changing, you know, millions of lives because of that. Yeah. She, she, she loves it when kids will say, oh, you're the book lady. They won't have any clue that she's Dolly Parton, right. you know, a huge megastar, but she's the book lady. And yes. Dolly, I think, just really loves that. The book lady, yeah, uh, among among many other things. Now, now Dudley, it's true that you have not yet, and I say yet, you've not yet actually met Dolly Parton. Is is that true? That is true. I would be delighted. I'm going to share your optimism and think that we simply haven't met yet. Oh, yeah. um, You have to meet her. It's it's inevitable. It's just a matter of when. It would be an honor. And, you know, Nancy, I've been been fortunate. I've, I've met some really, you know, kind of famous and interesting people and typically haven't been starstruck, but I, I know without a doubt I'd probably get tongue-tied and, you know, who knows what I would say or do. You know, I'd probably sound like a stalker because I know so much about her life and would just jump in and, you know, be too familiar. But uh, anyway, I do hope I get that privilege someday to meet Miss Dolly and to just thank her for all that she's done um, in so many different ways. All right. Well, you know, uh, if I... 
if I had any connections whatsoever, I would be the first one to help make that happen. But I'm just going to believe that that will happen for you, um, you know, yeah, in, you. in God's time. And, you know, as, you Absolutely. know, who knows, who knows how. And that's the fun part of, of, you know, of how that will materialize. And I will, I will look forward to hearing about when that happens. Well, thank you. Well, Dudley, thank you so much for, for sharing these wonderful little stories and, and great insights. Um, tell us how we can get a hold of this book. The book is out today, and I'm so thrilled that you know, we had this conversation with you on, on launch day. So the book is now available everywhere books are sold. You can find it online, Amazon, or your favorite online retailer, uh, Barnes & Noble, your local independent bookstore, Wherever you can find books, it should be available. Okay. And people, yeah, so people know where to go. And the book, again, is called The Faith of Dolly Parton. How about you? Is there a way if people wanted to learn more about you? Do you have your own website? Do you have a presence on social media? Can they follow you anywhere? The best way to get in touch with me right now, Nancy, is through faithofdollyparton.com, the book's website. Faithofdollyparton.com will be great. There, okay, great. So faithofdollyparton.com, that's the website. That's also happens to be the name of the book, so it works out really well. Um, so, yeah, I know people are going to want to visit you there. Um, I just, again, I can't recommend the book enough. It's just been a delightful read and great stories and great information and a challenge. Dudley, thank you so much for visiting with us today. It's just been such a pleasure. Thank you, Nancy. It really was my privilege. Thank you. What I tell you, whether you've always loved her, whether you're just now discovering the coolness of Dolly, or maybe just need some plain old wisdom and encouragement for the roads that you're traveling these days, any way you slice it, this here has been one of them their treasures. I'm just saying. Again, you can find out how to get your own copy and learn more about Dudley Delfs at faithofdollyparton.com. And Dudley will be putting up his own author website pretty soon. So be looking out for that. He's a gifted writer. And maybe there was a line or two or more, don't let me limit you, that especially spoke to you or made you think, hey, so-and-so ought to hear this. Well, by all means, share this podcast and feel free to follow me on the isleofmisfits.com. That's I-S-L-E of misfits.com for all kinds of random gems like this one. You never know what you'll find. And as always, keep our misfit culture alive by owning your awkward, loving your fellow misfit, and relentlessly searching for beauty and truth, because it's everywhere.